Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's new online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Today, Randy, we're going to dig deep into the history of the 12-step movements and talk about a device that uh, people have used for many, many years to uh, get and stay sober, the three circles. It seems like a a concept that uh, is constantly used in your teachings here and is uh, proven to be quite effective. Well, yeah, it's been one of the themes of the week here. as uh, the men look in an ongoing way for kind of like a blueprint for some of the things that they should be doing. And also we find in our couple's work, uh, it's very helpful for a spouse to have a really good idea of what the plan is for the addict to, to get and uh, maintain his sobriety. And, and how does this uh, three-circle concept work? Well, first of all... Um, we're going to have to have the listeners either imagine in their mind what this looks like because it's actually a diagram or a, uh, a schematic that we put on a piece of paper. Uh, maybe I'm thinking, and I should have checked with you before we went on the air, but maybe we could put a, uh, a visual of this on our website. Sure. Okay. So those of you that are listening that want to check out our website and see that uh, there'll be a some kind of a link to go to that, I suppose. Sure. We can create that, and I'll uh, link it next to the show. You know, uh, radio personalities are always saying, you know, go to my website, go to my link, clink on, click on. Click on, clink or click cl- on. Clink on something. Uh, so now I feel more official. We now have something to click on. All right. So um, that the visual is, though, that the three circles are three concentric circles that basically uh, look like a bullseye. So there's an inner circle. Uh, The next circle is generally referred to as the middle circle. And then the third circle is uh, called the outer circle. And sometimes, uh, and this goes back to, like I said, the history of it in the 12-step programs, um, the uh, inner circle is referred to as the red circle, the uh, middle circle is the uh, yellow circle, and the outer circle is the green circle. Uh, red for stop, yellow for caution, uh, green for go. All right. So let's start, obviously, at the beginning, and that is the red circle or the inner circle. And the inner circle of this uh, three-circle plan will always define the uh, behaviors or, in some cases, the substances that an addict is trying to stop. So for an alcoholic, uh, they would be generally saying, I'm going to stop drinking alcohol. Now, some alcoholics get even more specific uh, about beer or wine or you know, whatever hard liquor they tend to abuse the most. Um, food addicts you know, would use this to look at uh, not stopping all eating because you can't, uh, but they would perhaps look at you know certain kinds of food, that, the harmful foods that they're eating, right? And uh, you know, processed foods, uh, uh, white flour is something that some food addicts try deep, to avoid. Deep fried foods, 
Well, that that's in your inner circle, I would imagine. Well, it is. It it's a a part of our regular menu at our house. I'm uh, I see. So uh, everybody's a little bit different, as you can see, in terms of what they might put in that inner circle. For the men that we work with here, who are trying to establish sexual uh, purity, sexual fidelity, uh, the the red circle, the inner circle, is going to define all of the uh, sexual behaviors that they're going to stop. Uh, if you're married uh, and so forth. Uh, you know, sexual desires we've talked about so often on this show is a natural instinct. We're not trying to stop all sexual desire. We're trying to stop certain sexual lust, sexual fantasy, and sexual behaviors. So it's very important for uh, a recovering sex addict or a person who's trying to maintain sexual purity to define the things that they're going to stop. And uh, we generally hear, just to help the men get a, a grasp of this, we Generally, we'll use an acronym called MAP, M-A-P, and MAP stands for uh, Masturbation, Adultery, and Pornography. So I'm not going to get into the masturbation piece right now. We've done shows on that before. Uh, go to the archives if you want to see our thinking about why you might want to stop that. It is a highly controversial one, even in the field. There's some people who believe that uh, it should be stopped at all costs. There's other people who believe, what's the big deal? It's not a problem. Everybody does it. Uh, that kind of thing. And this, you know, again, points to the fact that, you know, everybody uh, needs to define their own program and what is important for them. Uh, adultery is an interesting one in the sense that uh, when we refer to it, we're thinking not just about physical adultery, sexual adultery, but we're thinking also about emotional adul adultery, meaning that you're having an emotional relationship with another person. So uh, you know, you're sharing things with another person you're not sharing with your spouse, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Pornography, uh, uh, also, you know, it's a, it's a broad topic. I mean, there are certain things that everybody would say is pornographic, you know, certain uh, obviously explicit material, whether it's on the Internet or in print or in video form or in a movie or whatever it is. Uh, then we get into controversy about, you know, our certain kinds of art or whatever they pornographic um i think here again every addict needs to define what are they stopping you know uh we had a guy the other night in group saying uh he was needing to stop watching the price is right uh well the price is right historically he's he's, <laughs> he's attracted to to drew carey uh thank you randy uh that that might be true if he had a same-sex attraction uh, although now I've noticed, I've only watched The Prices Right once or twice in the last several years, but I did notice the one time I was watching it over at the health club the other day that they now do have a male model after all these uh, years. Of Barker's Babes. Barker's, or Bar no, Barker's Beauties. Oh, Randy. sorry. Uh, uh, well, you know, uh, the models on that show were obviously something that were causing this particular individual to lust. I found it interesting because uh, I was remembering back in the history of uh, my stuff, uh, one of the models on that show became the number one selling Playboy video uh, of a given year. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, if you're watching something on television and it, it creates feelings of uh, sexual lust, then uh, that is pornographic for you. And... Uh, that's something that you will want to stop doing if you're trying to maintain sexual fidelity. So again, uh, for those of you that are listening that are struggling with these things, I think it is very important for you to very specifically list 
the kinds of behaviors, or in some cases other addicts might be listening to this show, substances that you're avoiding. And that's going to go right in the middle of your target there, right in the middle of that red circle. Right in the middle of the red circle. Uh, you're going to write that in. Uh, we think it's important for you, if you're, if you're married or in a primary relationship, to let your spouse know exactly what that is so that from that point on, if uh, you were to say, like I would say to uh, my wife, Debbie, if, if, uh, if I say to her, I'm sober, I'm sober for 25 plus years, I'm sober today or whatever it is, uh, she knows exactly what it is I haven't done. So I don't have to say, well, you know, I didn't look at pornography today. I didn't masturbate today. I didn't, you know, have an affair today. I can just use a shorthand now if I've got it listed and I'm and I've communicated it. Uh, where I've sometimes seen some controversy is that uh, um, some of the some of the groups out there are so concerned about codependency they they basically say that uh, your program is your program you should define it for yourself you don't necessarily need to communicate it to your spouse uh, we don't agree with that uh, uh, if you violated your spouse particularly with infidelity I think you need to let her know what you've decided to stop doing well and she's a, she is. A a huge part of your healing journey. Uh, she has her own um, uh, issues uh, that need to be resolved and healed as well. So uh, involving her is is key to your long-term um, success. Well, I look at it as a form of service, really, that, you know, uh, you know most of the people listening to the show, whether they're, whether they're addicts or spouses, you know, would have to fully recognize that if... Uh, you know, if an addict has committed an act of infidelity from pornography to adultery, uh, that uh, it's caused a great deal of uh, uh, hurt, pain, woundedness to the spouse. And the spouse is going to have a heightened sense of anxiety as the couple moves into the future about whether the addict will ever do that again. Well, and having her totally informed, it, it, this is right along the lines of uh, on earlier shows you've made references to, and we have an e-product available on the website, uh, about full disclosure. That's right. So this somewhat does assume that uh, the, uh, the offender, the addict, the uh, person who's committed some act of infidelity uh, has fully disclosed what that infidelity is all about. So it becomes then very clear to the spouse if the guy says, here's what I'm stopping, she'll understand that this has been a problem in the past. Exactly. And it, it, it is an act of service to help uh, uh, volunteer this information. It helps the spouse uh, with their sense of anxiety. You will find that if you are regularly proactive in letting your spouse know what you're not doing, uh, it'll allow her to stop asking you. And I think most of the, the men that I work with would recognize that that's probably a very good thing. Well, and there's probably has to be a, a bit of a sense of relief uh, in the mind of the man knowing that she's well aware of what those right. key trigger points are for him. Yeah, well, a lot of the couples are you know, battling issues about control and that kind of thing. And I've always found that if I, if I am proactive in uh, letting Debbie know what's going on, then... Uh, it eases her anxiety. She doesn't need to ask. She doesn't seem controlling. And, you know, that's good for the relationship. Right. Well, uh, Mark, as we go to break here, uh, we, when we come back, we're going to have you describe to us the, uh, the meaningfulness of the other two of these three circles. And uh, when we come back, uh, 
believe it or not, I have a trigger of the week that I'd like to share with our audience today. All right. All right. We'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and you're listening to the Men of Valor program. Join us on May 8th for the Men of Valor program when our special guest will be Dr. Daniel Amen, Medical Director of the Amen Clinics. Dr. Amen is a physician, a double board certified psychiatrist, teacher, and eight-time New York Times best-selling author. He's widely regarded as one of the world's foremost experts on applying brain imaging science to everyday clinical practice. Dr. Amen is the host of seven popular television shows about the brain which have raised over $45 million in support of public television. He has appeared on national television shows such as Dr. Oz, The View, Dr. Phil, and on CNN. As a good friend of Dr. Mark Laser, Dr. Amen will join us on the Men of Valor program to discuss the neurochemistry of addiction. Please join us next week for this informative and enlightening program. Trigger of the week. Well, Randy, this is a first. Uh, although we haven't been doing the tr- trigger of the week that long, but as uh, maybe the listeners know, we've been using our uh, evening men's groups as kind of a focus group to come up with the trigger of the week. And they've been extremely helpful these last couple of weeks, except for this week. Uh, <laughs> they were a little bit lame in their attempt to come up with it. Well, we're going to give them a break because uh, as we are uh, always on the lookout. Uh, for uh, relevant materials for the program. Um, this new concept of Trigger of the Week has struck me as something that uh, you, you, you kind of run into it. Uh, I'm, I'm much more aware of, it's like uh, when you get a new car uh, and you've never noticed that make of car on the road before until, until you, uh, you have one yourself and you're seeing them everywhere. And with that in mind, um, <clears throat> I'm sure many of the men out there are NFL fans. And uh, this past weekend was the NFL draft. So I was watching a recap of, uh, of the draft picks that our team, the Minnesota Vikings, had made. And following that program uh, was a special on the tryouts and the making uh, of the Minnesota Viking cheerleader squad of 35 uh, women. And it you know, it followed these individuals through the stresses and workouts and, and trials. And uh, there was a big performance at the Mall of America on a big stage. And it just struck me that if I were an individual struggling with sexual purity, that uh, this indeed would have been a huge trigger because they are all scantily clad. They're all young. They're all attractive. They're all shapely. And uh, programs like this are, you know, they're 
I guess they're meant to entertain. They're meant to inform. There's a lot of fans of the cheerleader squad, and it was one of those behind-the-scenes look. And it, and it just struck me as, wow, this, this could be challenging to handle. Well, I do think that for the men who would struggle with pornography, with lust, with uh, you know uh, thoughts in their in their brain, uh, uh, the, the whole uh, genre of cheerleaders, uh, I think, is you know, I remember times on the internet where they were inviting uh, participants to vote for their favorite cheerleading team across the NFL. So mm-hmm. uh, we're not even in football season, Randy, and you're. Uh, because of the draft being almost a kind of a special event of itself, you're, you were noticing that one this week. So Sure. Well, that's a good one, I think. Uh, and uh, uh, we would just encourage all of our listeners, uh, however they're getting triggered this week, to reach out to their support community, their accountability group, talk about it, uh, get it outside yourself. When you keep any triggers a secret, they grow and fester. So uh, talking about them uh, is a very good thing. Well, Mark, let's get back to uh, today's topic of the three circles. You uh, started the program by uh, giving a great description of what that red circle, the the center of the target, what uh, you know, what that represents. Well, you know, actually, the trigger of the week is a segue because the middle circle or the yellow circle is uh, danger zone. It's uh, activities, thoughts in your head that will lead you into the inner circle if you don't get out of those thoughts and activities. So I generally divide it into three separate categories. There are uh, what we generally uh, refer to as rituals. Uh, Everybody who commits some kind of sexual infidelity, sexual sin, has a ritual that goes from the thought of that to actually doing it. And uh, it may simply involve... uh, you know, turning on the TV set. It may involve uh, clicking on the computer. It may involve surfing the net. It may involve waiting for your wife to go to bed so that you can stay up later and look at the Internet or watch TV or then later masturbate. Um, It could be that if you have affairs, you have rituals for doing that. You know, you go to bars, you wear special clothes, you put ads on the Internet. You know, they're all kind of different rituals. Those that get into particularly... uh, 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 crazy type of sexual acting out, you know, they may need paraphernalia. You know, there's, there's, there's rituals that uh, uh, involve, in some cases, behaviors that take you to the place of acting out. I've also thought that part of rituals are your thought life that seeks to justify why it's okay for you to go ahead and act out. We sometimes refer to that as minimization, rationalization, uh, entitlement. Uh, we don't have time to get into it today. We've talked about it on earlier shows. But it's the thought life that allows you to go from the idea of sexual acting out to actually acting out. So those are those are rituals, and it's very important for all the men who want to stay sexually faithful to uh, know what those rituals are. And just like they're stopping certain things, they're also wanting to eliminate those rituals from their life. So when they identify those rituals and they... Uh, they notice that they're leaning uh, in that direction. Um, uh, how do you recommend that you handle that scenario? Well, you know, we talk about uh, in our field fire drills. Uh, fire drills are like a fire department. You know, how much time does a fire department spend practicing? You know, practicing driving the truck, practicing uncoiling uh, the uh, hose, practice climbing buildings or ladders. 
so they practice, practice, practice. And then when an actual fire happens, they don't need to think about it so much. They just do it. And I think anybody on a sports team or lots of other activities know that uh, the more time they spend practicing, the more automatic the behavior will become when they actually need it. So uh, we say to men, you need to practice going to meetings, you need to practice making phone calls, you need to practice talking about this stuff. And uh, the more you practice, even though you may say today I don't need to be doing that, but the more you drill, the more when some kind of five-alarm fire happens in your brain now, you're prepared uh, to handle you're it. You're prepared to handle it. We'll, we'll more automatically know what to do. Not to mention the fact that if you're making calls, engaged in fellowship, going to meetings, now other men are going to be reaching out to you and uh, uh, some things are going to be happening automatically. Sometimes when you need it, somebody else is going to be calling you. Fire drills are going to apply to the other two categories, too. Uh, the second category that I think about is... Uh, the segue that we that we mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, uh, triggers. So uh, triggers are, you know, most directly sexual stimuli that you encounter out there in the world. And, you know, the world is saturated with them, so we know that's going to happen multiple times every day. Uh, if you, you know, run across sexual stimuli, it's going to create sexual thoughts. Uh, that creates that uh, that need for the fire drill. What we believe is important is that if you get triggered and it becomes an obsessive thought pattern, then for sure you should make some calls and uh, get with some of your accountability buddies so that you can uh, talk it out loud. You know, I've always believed and experienced for myself that when you speak it out loud, if you break the silence about what's going on, it tends to take the power away of uh, whatever it is that caused it in the first place. So sexual triggers are rather obvious. Um, there are other kind of triggers uh, that will take us to associations in our brain. We've talked about associations in the brain before, too, on the show. But uh, in other words, if uh, you get triggered into your loneliness, into your anger, into your anxiety, into um, uh, boredom or whatever else it would happen to be, if your brain has associations in it that you know, sexual acting out is the uh, neurochemical answer to loneliness, anger, boredom, whatever it is, then the emotional triggers of the world uh, may trigger you into your sexual thoughts. So there again, you need to do your fire drills, make phone calls, go to meetings, get with people, uh, talk out loud, uh, those kinds of things. Well, it's powerful that you say that, Mark, in the fact that triggers don't have to be visual. That's right. They could be, well, you know, they could be any of the five senses and be still sexual triggers. In other words, you could have a, the smell of perfume might remind exactly. you of something. Sure. Uh, the uh, touch, somebody uh, uh, touches you. Uh, a, a woman came up to me not so long ago at a speech and was just being friendly, just touched my arm. Well, you know, that could be a trigger if it, you know, reminds me of kindness or you know, it might get me into one of my rituals. I might say something inappropriate to her, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, triggers, uh, sexual triggers can involve any of the five senses. But emotional triggers can, I think, sometimes be the most powerful triggers in that they, they make associations in our brain that causes us to go to sex as the solution to that emotion. So that's the uh, trigger category. And uh, then the final category that is talked about is vulnerabilities. And Years and years and years ago, Alcoholics Anonymous uh, identified an acronym called HALT, Hungry, Angry, Lonely, Tired. 
So uh, basically, we know that if you're hungry or that your soul is longing for something, if you're angry, if you're lonely, if you're tired, I would add bored uh, to the acronym HALT B or something. Uh, but whatever emotion is going on for you, uh, that might make you more vulnerable to uh, using sex as a solution. So it's related to triggers, particularly emotional triggers. And are we talking about this the, about the green circle now? No, I mean, we're no. talking about still the middle circle okay, now. Okay, you're still within that yellow middle right. circle. Okay. That's right. So these are the three categories of things to think about in the middle circle. There are the rituals, there are the direct triggers, and then there are the the vulnerabilities. Uh, most of the men that I work with would notice, you know, one of the biggest triggers is if you're or the biggest vulnerabilities, is if you're tired. So if uh, you haven't had enough rest or whatever, you've been overworked, over overstressed, and, and you're tired, uh, you're going to be more vulnerable. Yeah. Your uh, defenses are down. That's, that's exactly it. So there again, if uh, you know a, a recovering person who's being successful will know how to recognize when they're more vulnerable and uh, will, in this case, now this segues us out into the outer circle, will we'll know that they need to start doing some of the outer circle activities to get them out of the vulnerable places. Okay. So the outer circle called the green circle sometimes is all the positive activities that you're going to start doing. Um, AA years ago put it, uh, if you're going to stop something, which we're trying to do in the middle and inner circle, then start something. Uh, the men that I work with are easily bored. They're very creative. So if they only stop something, they're going to be more bored. Uh, their creativity is going to be frustrated. So uh, we need to do positive things. And sometimes we refer to the outer circle as self-care. Uh, so if one of the vulnerabilities, for example, and this is the segue, is being tired, then maybe one of the activities you're going to do in the uh, outer circle is get some rest. Uh, all the neuroscientists would tell us that you know everybody needs at least seven hours of sleep a night. So if you're not getting enough sleep, you're going to be more vulnerable. So rest is probably part of self-care. Exercise could be part of self-care. Um, we obviously think about things like going to counseling, having a support group, meditating, uh, working on uh, your relationship. One that I think a lot of people don't think about a lot is uh, recreation, You know, having fun. Uh, when you think about the fact that one of the rituals uh, for a lot of the men uh, or the people that, that I deal with is uh, that, that feeling of entitlement. So, you know, I deserve a break today. I need to do something nice for myself today. Uh, I've had a bad day. I deserve for something nice to happen. Basically, in, in some ways, what they're longing to do is uh, something nice for themselves, something fun for themselves. And so we, we encourage that in the outer circle, you have things that you do for yourself that are fun, that are exciting, that might be recreational, um, that uh, are healthy. So uh, if you like reading, you know, buy yourself a book. Uh, if you uh, have a hobby, you know, participate in that hobby. Do something nice for yourself. Uh, now, there is a danger for some that in that something that starts out maybe not being too addictive, well, you know, Best Buy for me, for example, I, I always pick on Best Buy because they're so prevalent around here. But uh, for me, you know, electronics is, you know, a lot of fun. Uh, I could get easily hooked into going over there way too much. But uh, uh, the listeners, I think, you know, should just, 
pause for a moment and say, what is it, you know, on a daily basis that I'm doing for myself that's a matter of self-care, that's nice, that's fun, that might be recreational, that is, in fact, healthy? And I think every day we need to have some, some of these activities built into our life. Now, that same concept can also be a very strong relationship builder if you're in, right. involving your spouse or significant other in that activity. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. just that opportunity to, as you are um, in dealing with these issues and you're trying to do good things for yourself, but also good things for your relationship by involving your, your wife. Well, I think it's one of the saddest things that we sometimes see here when we're doing marriage work is that uh, the couples have completely forgotten how to have fun. You know, they... Uh, they don't have recreation. Uh, even when they were dating, they may have just been going through the cultural rituals, like going to the dances, the proms, or whatever else it was. Uh, they they didn't. They went to movies, or you know, they hung out. Uh, they they they, in some ways, have forgotten how to be childlike uh, and and have fun. I in the early days, Debbie and I used to roll down hills, swing on swings, have snowball fights, do the kind of things that kids would do. Uh, lately we've, you know, taken dancing lessons. We play golf together. Uh, you know, we do home remodeling. Why are you laughing? You're laughing about my golf game. No, I'm not. You walked in the other day and had a snowball in your hand, which you tossed to me. Thank you very much. As I was behind my desk. Um, so I was laughing at the idea that it's May and there's snow in the forecast. Well, you know, uh, here in Minnesota there yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, well, the truth of it is, even on that day, which was probably like a couple of uh, weeks ago, I was having one of those vulnerabilities in the middle circle. I was angry about this about the weather here in Minnesota. And you chose me to take it out on. Well, but here's the point. I, <laughs> I, I would have said that, you know, I could throw a snowball at somebody, but or I could be playful, make a snowball, bring it into the center, and just toss it to somebody. So well, that's that's what I like to do. As I was cleaning the snow off my forehead, I thought, <laughs> that was playful. <laughs> <laughs> well, even as we're laughing about something like that, you see, I think in the outer circle, it is good to have activities in your life that you laugh about, that right. you have fun about. And as couples... I think it's incredibly important to either learn for the first time or to learn again how to how to almost be childlike together and have fun. It improves so many other qualities of our relationship. Well, Mark, I think that uh, today's uh, discussion has been extremely helpful for our listeners. Are there any other key points that you want to make sure that we fit in as we're wrapping things up? Well, yes. There's one main thing that I'd like the listeners to think about, and that is when we talk about accountability, and we have quite a bit on this show, uh, this three-circle plan is definitely something that you want to show to your accountability partners. You want to sh- tell them what you're stopping, what you know, like your rituals and vulnerabilities and triggers are. You also want to tell them what all the positive things you want to start doing. And uh, Romans seven fifteen, Paul says, you know, the good that I would I don't do, the evil that I hate that's what I do. So if we don't do positive things, it's going to make us more vulnerable to do the negative things. But the key is to have accountability people in your life that are not just reminding you about what you're stopping, but also encouraging you about what you're starting or what you're committing to do that's positive. And we hope that you've got these accountability partners in your life. Uh, we invite you to visit faithfulandtrue.com for more resources, more information about the work that we do here at Faithful and True, as well as all the information about our intensive workshops for men, spouses, and couples. 
Want to remind you one more time that next week you're not going to want to miss the show as we have Dr. Daniel Amen from the Amen Clinic joining us. It promises to be a great show. Until then, have a wonderful week and we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at faithfulandtrue.com. That's faithfulandtrue.com.